welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. Today, I have another DOP, a daughter of promise in the building with me. Welcome, Taisha Jenkins. Hey, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited uh, that you agreed to come on and just share your story. It is not one that is up here where I am, but the overcoming. I just, I'm, I'm excited for you to share your story today with us. Um, I wanted to just pause for a second and pass the mic to you and ask that you just introduce yourself to the Navigating Life podcast audience. Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Coach Lowe, for having me on. I'm super excited about the opportunity. Um, my name is Taisha Jenkins, like you said, and I am an educator. I am a mother. I am um, a friend. I'm a sister. Um, and I am recently, and just proudly to say, I am a daughter of promise, a newly published author, and just super excited about this journey. Um, I'm a former... I am active in my church um, and just, you know, really just, just, I mean, not a whole lot, but you know, um, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. I do, I want to ask you what, what made you, we, so we, we're doing the women's devotional together mm -hmm. called Promise. It's a women devotional, uh, 17 states in the U.S., four countries, 130 authors. We happen to be two of them. Uh, what mm -hmm. was it that when this opportunity came to you, what was it that made it stand out and you want to share your story in this season? <clears throat> uh, well, for me... Um, Coach Lowe, it was just um, during this time that we're in, in this pandemic, I um, have to say that literally every day that I was logging on to uh, social media, just, you know, posting my prayers that I do daily, I was noticing that people were losing loved ones. There was so much loss. Um, I mean, it was either to COVID, uh, either something tragic or just you know, people were just expiring daily. And so for me, my heart was just heavy to see mm -hmm. the people that were experiencing loss. And I was like, my Lord, um, I know exactly what they're going through. I know the pain that they are um, experiencing in this moment. Um, and so um, just, just seeing how much people were going through um, really, really um, just caused my heart to just say, you know what? God made me a promise. God healed me and helped me um, during the times that I um, suffered loss. And I just wanted to share um, part of my promise um, or part of my story to say that there is healing, that there is, um, you know, uh, overcoming after um, after loss. And so that's really where, uh, where it came from, just the opportunity to share God's promise to me and how it came to fruition. Isn't that awesome, though, how there are different seasons in our lives where God show us what to do and how to share and like it is the time is now that, you know, yes. it's like 
um, the time is of the essence. And you all, you, I mean, this is a story that you had the ability to share in many different seasons, you know, I mean, because mm -hmm. this is not something that just happened, but God prepared you and he allowed you to go through a thing and he healed you and you walked through a process for such a time as this to be mm -hmm. able to share with other people. I just delight in that. Like that is just so amazing mm -hmm. to me to, uh, to know of God's goodness like that. Um, so we, so we're in your devotional, like you just talked about, you talk about the loss and the grief of losing your mom in 2005, your brother in 2006, and finally your father in 2014. That was a lot, not to mention other losses of um, family members that were not your immediate family members, but the uh, one and two generations removed that were also mm -hmm. passing away. So um, tell, tell us, please share your story, because I believe that this is the the greater part of what people need in your mm -hmm. story is just how do you overcome you you lost you lost your mom that's a huge uh, an important relationship mm -hmm. you lose your your younger brother and then you lose your father let's talk about it mm. Whew, let's see well with my mom my mom started to kind of um, become ill around 2000. Uh, my mom um, abused drugs um, for quite some time. And um, after, you know, years of drug abuse and not taking care of your body the way you could, you start to show effects of that. And my mom suffered her first stroke in 2000. And um, of course, she was diagnosed with um, congestive heart failure. Then her um, kidneys started to give her trouble and uh, so it was just uh, just declining her health was declining and um it was really tough um i had just had my son um in 2004 when she really started like i had just started teaching so i was a brand new teacher and um it was really hard on my family because me being the 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 second oldest but i'm i was the oldest here in houston um at the time and um my younger siblings really didn't um uh, just young you know in school still um in in high school um and it was very tough on them tough on us so my grandmother and my aunts they came to houston and they got her and they were taking care of her because she actually had to get dialysis three days a week and um it just wasn't a it was hard on everybody. Um, so my mom ended up um, just not, she, for lack of better terms, she just deteriorated over time. And poor thing, she just, you know, got sick and really couldn't recover. And the last time we went to see her um, in the hospital, because she had been, in, you know, back and forth in the hospital for some time while she was you know between 2000 um, and 2005 she would go to the hospital um, you know because blood pressure was too high or uh, you know just for different reasons but she would always come home so we would you know oh well you know mama coming home tonight or we got to go get her from the hospital um, they ready to discharge her 
Well, this time we got a call and she was in Lubbock, Texas, because my family um, Abilene and that's where she was staying. Well, they had to life flight her to Lubbock. So we all got together, my dad, uh, my three brothers and my younger sister and my son at the time, he was like a couple of months and um, we drove down to Lubbock and I'll never forget she couldn't open her eyes, but she could talk, um, but she really couldn't see us. And, um, and I was just, you know, talking to her and um, she was like, where's that baby? Go get that baby. And I was like, mama, they won't let me bring her, bring him back here. And she said, I don't care. You go get my grandbaby. And I was like, okay. So I snuck him in there to see her and she was just touching on him, just feeling on him. And um, she couldn't see him, but she, she, she wanted to, you know, you know, just be, you know, being in prison. Right. There you go. Exactly. And so, um, we went back to the hotel that night and I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And so we had to, um, go back to Houston and so we were driving and I'll never forget. I just had this feeling. I was like, I don't think we should be leaving. I don't think we should be leaving. Um, but my dad had to get back to work. I had to get back to work. It's just kind of one of those things where, you just don't know when it's the last time, but something in my heart was just saying, I, this, this doesn't feel right. So you get um, home and I have all, you know, just scared for the phone to ring, different things like that. And um, one, one night around midnight, I got the call and they said, Miss Jenkins, we did all we could, but we couldn't, we couldn't save her. And so that's the hardest thing is to have to call the rest of your family and tell them, you know, what happened. So, um, that happened with my with my uh, mom. Oh, excuse me. And so then um, a year later, my youngest brother, um, his name is Maurice. We call him Baby John. That was just his, you know, nickname as a baby. Um, just kind of going through some things that we never really were able to put a finger on, but we all kind of guessed. Um, but he did. Um, uh, commit suicide that's what they ruled it as he was we were fortunate to have him for 16 days after he actually um shot himself um he was on in critical condition but it was one of those things it was day by day day by day going to the hospital um being by his side talking to him there were days i forgot to eat i think i lost almost 25 pounds just in that 16 um 16 days or so, um, or, you know, up until the funeral, different things of that nature. Um, but it was kind of the same thing. I was the one that they called to say, Ms. Jenkins, we need y'all to come to the hospital um, and probably say your final goodbyes. One of my brothers was like, we're not saying goodbye. We're going to fight. He's going to fight. We're going to do everything we can. And it was really hard because he wasn't ready to let him go. And I totally understood that. And so I said, well, whatever you want to do, I'm going to, you know, support you. If you, you know, and so we were at the hospital and the doctors were just like, you know, there's nothing else we can do at this point. And so I had to tell my dad, my dad was devastated, just, um, you know, didn't know where he went wrong as a parent. Remind, he just lost a wife a year ago or a year before. And so it was just, oh my gosh, it was just so, so much. We blamed each other. I mean, I remember literally getting into arguments with my siblings because we were so mad and so angry that this happened. And uh, we blamed ourselves. I remember my brother was at my house a week before. And I said, if I would have just let him stay, you know, and, and this wouldn't have happened. And I blamed myself for a very, very, very long time. And um, 
And we blame. Mm-hmm, go ahead. So why do you, why do you think that you guys begin to blame yourselves and one another? Because I think naturally, because um, you don't want to blame the person that did it. Like I, you don't. I didn't want to blame my brother because I didn't believe that he was capable of such a thing. So there's a. It's your fault because it's not his. We know Baby John. Baby John wouldn't do this to himself. Well, maybe it, it's my fault. Maybe I didn't do enough as a big sister. Well, maybe you know, um, my brother. He was gone away to college at the time. And him and Baby John were like only a year and a half, two years apart. I mean, they were really, really close. And I remember him being so angry and so upset. And he said, it's y'all's fault. Why didn't y'all watch him? Why didn't y'all watch him? He said, I shouldn't have went to college. And he blamed him. He internalized it and blamed himself. So I think it's just a um, a misplaced, um, misplaced anger. You know, you you don't know how to process when somebody takes their their life. So somebody has to be to blame because there's no way baby John would do this. And there's no way that this could happen to our family. There's no way our little brother took his own life. And so you don't know how to accept it. And I think sometimes when you don't know how to accept a thing, that's the first thing to do is to, um, to blame others, you know, to blame and to deny, like you said, you denied that it was possible that he would mm-hmm. make his decision. Now, let me ask you this today. What do you believe? Do you believe that suicide is a, it's a active decision? Um, just based on me knowing my brother, um, I believe, and I don't believe in my heart that my brother had a mental illness, I don't. Um, Because there uh, were other circumstances surrounding the situation. So it wasn't like this was something that had happened before. You know, um, there were some, you know, some specifics, you know, that kind of led to this. But I truly believe when the enemy puts a thought into your mind and you don't know how to fight it, you don't know how to battle that thing. Um, you don't seek the help that you need. Some people don't even know or realize that help is available. Yeah. Um, some people don't know how to go to the people that they love out of shame um, um, to say, hey, I'm having these thoughts. Yeah. Hey, something is wrong and I don't know what what's going on uh, or I'm afraid. I'm scared. This is going on right now in my mind and I'm afraid this is going to happen. And um, I think that there's a stigma to that. You know, people don't know how to process that. My my brother was 21 years old and um, he had never really gone through anything major. You know, losing my mom and was definitely major and 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 a couple other circumstances. But I think it was just a matter of when he thought that there was a possibility or that that was an option for him, not knowing how to battle that just kind of took over. You know, this is your only way out. This is this is what you have to do. And I think that once that is planted and you don't know how to defeat it, the enemy will the enemy will remind you, no, you have to. No, this so that's what I truly believe. The enemy will take over because that's, you know, that's his job. That's what the word says he comes to do. The kill kill, kill and destroy. Okay. So so when I'm so when I'm thinking about this, it 
So when I'm thinking about a young man, 21 years old, mm -hmm. who loses his mom, he needs his mom. So mm -hmm. I just, I, I just wonder, like when, when I, I told you when you originally shared with me, I was just really wild by your story. And so I wondered, I'm saying to myself, okay, so he had lost his mother only a year prior. That's mm -hmm. not a whole lot of time to grieve a mother's love, a mother's everything that she had given to him. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to even, we're not here to try to figure this out or anything, but I just, for the sake of the audience, I always want to get as much be as as we possibly can in terms of information because these are places that real people just like your family Absolutely. there will be other families this is why you chose to share your mm -hmm. story people are experiencing this thing in the daily yeah on yeah. a daily people are experiencing these things and people don't know how to navigate them so, mm -hmm. you know, that is not a, a situation that I have personally had to deal with, thank God. However, it is all around me. And people mm -hmm. are losing family members and close friends um, by their loved ones afflicting pain on themselves. But I just believe that sometimes people are overwhelmed in a way and sometimes they feel invisible in a way that other people mm -hmm. don't even understand. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's unfortunate the way that the enemy approach people and they can become overwhelmed like that. And sometimes we feel like, well, everyone else is busy and nobody can see me. Everybody mm -hmm. is busy with their own life, with their own stuff. And that was why I was asking, why do you guys believe that you started to blame one another and then blame yourselves? Was it because, you know, everybody was just living life? You mm -hmm. really can't apologize for that, right? Right, right, right. Um, and I think just in the moment, um, definitely everybody was living their lives, but just in the moment when it happens, because once, you know, you are, are when you see your loved one fighting for their life, um, somebody has to be to blame for this, you know, and that's kind of, um, you know, uh, it was, it was just sad. And I think like, like you said, um, the denial had a lot to do with it, um, but just not knowing how to process it. I think when, when you're angry, when you're upset about something and something doesn't go your way, yeah. we usually find something, something to, you know, we have to blame it on somebody. And so I think that was just a natural reaction to just the hurt that we were experiencing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so sorry when I, when I began to just think about just how you lost them back to back and mm -hmm. then your dad. So mm -hmm. finally it was your dad. And so he ended up getting sick. So if you want to share. 
Whew, okay, so my dad, um, oh gosh, best friend, just, I was a daddy's girl. And um, what happened is just, I, um, you know, my dad called me like almost every day, called me, you know, he told me, he said, you know, dad had been having some issues with, you know, with his stomach, my, my stomach been bothering me. I'm like, okay, daddy, well, you know, make sure you're watching what you eat and different things like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I just feel like I can't, I've always feel full. And I'm like, okay. So, Time um, went by and um, he, my friend passed away, one of my high school friends. I was at her services. Just so happened it's in the same neighborhood uh, that I grew up in. So I went by my dad's house. I hadn't gone in a couple because I was a coach at the time. My son was young and just super, super busy. Well, I went by the house and I saw him. I walked in the door and my dad was, my dad's 6'2", easily. 200 and 200 pounds maybe you know and when I saw him I was like daddy I mean so thin so thin I, I, I couldn't believe it and I just took a deep breath and I sat down and I was like daddy what's what's going on he was like well I told you you know I've been having issues with my stomach I said daddy something not right and I just started crying and he said don't cry I said daddy something not right and he just um he he just said, Daddy, all right, Daddy, all right. And I said, Daddy, something not right, you too little. So long story short, I just said, Daddy, I'm making an appointment. I need your insurance card. I need all your information because we need to make a doctor's appointment. And so we did. And um, um, so we started the process and went to, you know, his primary care physician she kind of looked at some stuff and she said what she thought it might be but then of course we need to do I think I think it was the MRI I believe just all these different tests and so that was in November-ish December doctor visit um, and you're always waiting for the calls back to see what they're they're saying and so um, they called me I was on I was in the middle of a basketball game that I was coaching and my phone rang and I knew it was the doctor. And um, she called, she said, um, do you have time to talk? I said, yes. I had another coach, you know, continue coaching the game. And um, she said, we found a mass um, in his lungs and then in his uh, liver, I believe. Uh, and so I took a deep breath and I said, what does that mean? And she said, I can't tell you, but it looks like cancer. I'm sending you to an oncologist. And so called my best friend at the time and I said, hey, she worked at MD Anderson, one of the largest um, medical, um, you know, cancer medical treatment centers here. <clears throat> and so she said, you need to take FMLA, apply for it right now. And I'm glad she told me that. When my mom got sick, I didn't even know that was an option. I was such a new teacher. And so I applied for it. Once they signed, they approved it. And I mean, I was not going to miss a beat with him because I missed it with my mom. I regretted it. But I said, you know what? I'm just not. I have to drop my son off. I have to do whatever I have to do. But I need to be by my dad's side every second of this, this particular journey. And um, it was tough. Um, to see him go through what he went through, it was very, very hard. Um, the first doctor said, um, you guys need to prepare for hospice. And I was just like, whoa, you know? And I looked at my daddy when he said it and my dad was just kind of like, you know, kind of shook his head. And um, I immediately 
stopped going to that doctor. We found another doctor. And the doctor told me um, and told my dad, he said, let me tell you, we are going to do our best to prolong your life as long as possible, but we're not going to be able to save it. You have a very aggressive cancer and it's in the lungs and you know, but we're going to do all we can to prolong your life. And this, and he laid out the treatment plan and um, chemotherapy was the option. And to see my dad, you know, lose his hair, um, so thin, he could only really drink insurers. You know, um, I tried to cook for him for that Christmas. He couldn't really eat. It was, it was a journey, but I, um, I was really grateful. Um, to be there for him. Yeah. Oh, I was, I mean, I mean, so grateful. And um, it was tough. Same thing, me and my siblings, we kind of had moments, you know, because we, it, that was the third, you know, the third, you know, third round of, of such a major loss. And by this time, you know, I think we were probably angry with life at this point, you know, pretty resentful. And um, it was easy again to, to, to be upset at each other, not knowing how to navigate. Hey, we need each other, embrace each other. It was, it was tough. And so he passed on, um, he was in, you know, in critical condition, just they, you know, everything was breathing for him, working for him. And, um, and my sister, stayed with him and she decided to let him go on her birthday, March 29th. And so, you know, you celebrate her birthday, then I always remember, oh, daddy, you know, passed away on this day. So I think that's a special thing for, you know, for her and for him. So. Okay. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> that is a lot. And I, I just, um, I, I applaud your strength and your tears never compromise your strength. I learned that from the <laughs> lady. Um, you, your tears just never compromise your strength. And so mm -hmm. I, I applaud your, your strength. I applaud the joy that the Lord has restored in your life. Yes, and, thank you. Um, and I know that it is the Lord because you never got counseling. What in the world? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I didn't there was this there was a time when um when I felt myself losing control, just totally developing anxiety, just losing control. And I had one of my friends say, Hey, you probably need to go talk to someone. And I did. I so a, a counselor and um, I went and had a session with her and she just kind of talked to me about controlling my controllables because I was so upset at the time that I didn't feel like my siblings were helping me mm -hmm. and uh and and one of them you know specifically but you know she um she explained things and and um and kind of made things clear, but I did, so I did talk to her in that moment, but just to seek counseling and grief counseling, I didn't, and um, like you said, it was nothing, nothing but God, but, but in that moment when my dad first got sick, and I was running back and forth, and doing all this, I did have to go sit down with somebody, because I thought I was going to lose my mind. Yeah, and um, it is, it's, it's really, it's a weight. Um, I just um, cremated my granddad in 2019 oh, in wow. February 2019, I'm sorry, yeah. and so I, I 
I understand so much about that. And in 2009, mm-hmm. I, uh, my grandmother came here. She from Chicago. She came mm-hmm. here with me and my aunt here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And she died in three weeks. She oh, came wow. here to die. And, but she had permission. She had permission. Mm-hmm. She was very ill. And much like your mom, when we... Women just wear capes. I don't know where that mm-hmm. came from. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, um, and African-American women in particular, I would venture mm-hmm. to say, we have a tendency to be strong in a way that almost seems supernatural. And mm-hmm. we will go that extra mile. And my grandmother, she just seemed like, she just, God just kept resurrecting her. She oh, wow. would go down and she would come back up, mm-hmm. you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. So, but this time, it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. And she had always said that she would never come here. So when she decided to come, I was a little suspect because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, why all of a sudden would you want to change your mind? But it is just interesting how when you when you lose the people that are closest to you, just the different things. A lot of the time you're in survival mode. So you're handling all the business, you're making all of these decisions and you forget to self-care. Oh my gosh. You, you hit the nail on the head. I, um, with my, with my mom, I had to take care of everything. Um, with my brother there, you know, there was more help but it was, you know, my, my sister at the time was 15, I think, or, or really close to that age when my mom died. But you're so right. Because once that family member passes on, now it becomes business. You know, yeah. how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle this? And it's like, you don't have that, um, that time to um, grieve. But I can tell you this, Coach Lowe, there was a time when my brother was in the hospital. And um, I'll never forget, I prayed and prayed and I cried and I cried and I said, God, I want, want my brother back, bring him back. That's, I'm, that's all I pray for every night. Bring him back, Lord, bring him back, bring him back. And he said, what if I don't? And I said, mm. And so just that kind of rocked me. And I was like, wow. And he said, I need you to pray for my will. Not for what you want, pray for my will. That's and, um and he said, because if I bring him back, he's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Can you guys handle, if, if I bring him back, can you handle the new baby John? Because he's not going to be the same. And I said, wow. Because all you want is to bring him back. That is the natural. You want your loved one back. Yeah. But God told me he's not going to be the same. So prepare yourself. He said, prepare yourself for loss. If I take him back, first of all, he belongs to me. So if I take him back, he's mine anyway. So prepare yourself for that. He said, but then prepare yourself for if I allow him to stay with you guys, he's not going to be the same. So in that moment, I had to shift my prayers. And I said, Lord, not my will, but yours. And I said, whatever your will is with my brother. So that also God said, I also need you to pray for your daddy. I need you to pray for your sister because that hurt that you're feeling, they're feeling it too. Yeah. I need you to pray for them. And I just, so I, I, you know, like you said that 
you you're, you're, you know, self-care is important, but sometimes God will position you to, to, to be that person that's standing in the gap for others. So in that moment, I, I, I stopped praying for myself. God made me strong in that moment and say, I need you to be praying for your brothers and your sisters and your dad, because this is tough. This is a hard one. So I need you to, I need you to be that strong one. You know, they were strong too, but, um, I clearly remember him, um, you know, talking to me and telling me what he needed me to do. That is so awesome. When, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking when, when God have those intimate conversations with us, he is often sharing wisdom with us in a way that we would never know otherwise. And yeah, that absolutely. clear, succinct instruction Mm-hmm. really helped you to understand that God don't always heal our loved ones on this side mm-hmm. of heaven. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it is better that they go home mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. earth is not our home. Heaven is. That's right. And so sometimes the Lord has to bring those that he loves so dearly, bring mm-hmm. them home mm-hmm. life as he knew it. God told you it's not going to be the same. Mm-mm. So could you really handle that, looking at him suffering in the day-to-day? Exactly. The responsibility that would come. And I think that those are the hard, uh, the the challenges that we face when we are up against saying, when when the doctors come and they say, this is, is, we've done all we could. Mm -hmm. But God. Right. God's will be done is really what we need to be saying, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that a lot of time what people are saying is that when people declare that they will believe the report of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the, what they really desire in their heart is just that God will bring them back so that they can commune with them. Right. That is not always what happens. That's not always God's will. And so I just, again, I just applaud you and your family's ability to navigate that process, though it was challenging, Mm -hmm. though you had to do the things that you needed to do to get yourself um, in a space where, because you were saying that things were kind of spiraling out of control, it was just a lot. Mm -hmm. So you had to talk to someone. That is excellent, but you didn't get grief counseling. You didn't mm-hmm. get ongoing counseling. What what would <clears throat> would you change that if you had to do it again? Would you change it? Do you see that there is a need? Let uh share with share with myself and the audience of navigating life podcast. Help us to understand what you would have changed differently um, about getting yourself more help and more self-care for yourself so that you could have been stronger or what have you, and then help us to understand how or why you would advise someone to do whatever you think is best in terms of that particular decision. Well, I would absolutely tell um, the, the, the listening audience, I would definitely, definitely seek counseling. 
if I if I could do it all over again, I would absolutely um, have sought out a counselor, a grief counselor um, to speak to. Um, because really at the time, you know, you know, counselors are available. You know, you, you've heard it. I'm an educator. I've heard that. But at the time, when you're moving through your everyday life, when you have a child that you have to take care of, sometimes you do forget mm -hmm. that there is a healing, that there is a process that needs to take place. But also there is a part of you that wants to just be. I just wanted to just be. And um, if um, I would have gotten the counseling that I needed, I really truly believe that um, the anger, um, the guilt, um, <clears throat> and just even the questioning um, of, of why my mom, why my brother, why my dad probably wouldn't have happened as frequently as it did. I, um, I grew to become a very angry person. Um, I became very depressed. My depression um, turned into anxiety. I didn't know any of those things truly existed. I heard about them. Oh no, I'm not depressed. What does that look like? You think it's laying in your bed all day. That's not what depression looks like. You know, anxiety, I'm thinking people going around shaking. No, that's not what it looks like. Sometimes it's just the <clears throat> inability to make decisions. It's, it's, you know, not your mind not resting. So those things manifested into my life um, because I didn't get the proper care and counseling that I did. And I would venture to say, um, Coach Lowe, that that's something that I am still going to do. Um, that's good. 2005, 2006, um, 2014, there's some still some healing that needs to take place. And so I know for me that that is something um, that I still need to do. Um, so I will definitely be seeking counseling. Let me tell you why. It's because we think a lot of times that we can navigate certain things on our own because we were taught you know, as young kids, get up, stop crying. You know, you'll be all right. You know, it's not going to last forever. That is the syndrome. That's what right. it is. Mm -hmm. But we don't have the tools. There are people who have gone to school that have studied, that know um, techniques that you can use to calm your, you know, your thoughts, to, to make you um, think about things differently. So absolutely, I would, I would encourage anyone um, to seek out professional help, um, because you don't know what you need until you get it. Sometimes you and don't, so, you really don't know what you don't know until exactly. you get it. That's it. But that's it. So this is the other thing that I did want to talk to you about is community. Mm -hmm. How big was your community in that season? Because what I hear you saying is that so I like the idea that you reached out to your friend who worked for MD Anderson. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was just phenomenal. However, there were still other things, right? That, that needed to be, um, there were still other things that needed to be done and be addressed. So where was, where was your community? Where was your support system of people that would come alongside you? How, how important do you see community? Because now I know that you have a large community. 
So, Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, and so how how does that look today? When, when looking back, mm-hmm. how important or what kind of difference would a community of supporters would have made for you? Well, you know, um, I can't say that I didn't have a community. I really, really did. When I look back, I can, oh gosh, Coach Lowe, um, when my mom passed, I was a young teacher um, and didn't have very um, much money saved at the time, you know, and I'll never forget, um, I went to leave to go out of town for my mom's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my other best friends at the time, she handed me an envelope and I said, what is this? She said, well, just open it when you get time. And um, my school at that time, they had raised over $3,000 to help me towards my mom's funeral. We didn't have it, but. Wow. She sent an email behind my back and people donated. Some of the people didn't even know who I was, mm-hmm. you know, but that became my family, you know, my extended family. Um, just the, the, the love and the, the, the thoughtfulness and consideration behind that. And um, so that I had, you know, the community, my friends, um, my best friends, my cousins, my aunts, my dad's sister, my aunts in, in, in Abilene. So I have, I had the family in the community. It's just kind of, um, but you, was it that you had to lead everything and, or were, are you, were you delegating the responsibility at all? Or did you feel like you had to have your hand on? Well, uh, coach Lowe, I was the oldest, um, And it was kind of one of those things that at the time uh, when my mom passed away, I was 25 Uh and everyone after that is uh, increments of two. So 23, 21, 19, 17 years old, you know, Uh Uh, besides my oldest sister, my older sister lives and she's been living in Florida for since she was 19, 20 years old. so it's one of those things at that moment, I was the oldest. I was the more responsible one. I was, you know, just kind of able to make those decisions, knowing how to navigate certain things, you know. And so my younger sister, you know, 17 years old, she's trying to do the best she could. She didn't, she couldn't manage, you know, planning a funeral and, you know, different things well, like so that. I'm, so what I'm speaking to is your community, like your support like they were younger than you so that would not have really been um, Mm -hmm. who you would have looked to you would have been more of a supporter to them right right so I'm talking about like the people that you mentioned you mentioned your aunts you mentioned some of your friends some of your best friends your cousins so Mm -hmm. for those people were were they um, were they kind of hands-on supporting you through the planning, kind of coaching you through the process? Mm-hmm. Well, this is how I'm going to take this responsibility and I'm going to be over this for the repass. Or, you know, so there are different... Yeah. So how did... <clears throat> so if you, if I can kind of paint a, a picture a little bit, uh, my family helped what, what, whatever way they could, but it was almost kind of like my dad and my mom 
it was just us, our family here in Houston. Like we have family. Right. But my up uh, like my dad's side lives in majority of his family lives in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh. So his sister. So then my mom's family, her family lives in Abilene. So while we have family here, my brothers and my sisters and my mom and dad, we were our immediate family here. So that it was kind of so everybody pitched in, but everybody's kind of pitching in from a distance as much as they got can. it. So it's kind of one of those, one of those things. So my friends here, um, and my friends that was, that was my community. You know, my church at the time, uh, my sorority sisters, um, and just really my close friend, my best friend, uh, Tara. Her was my family, and they made sure we had you know food to eat. You know. Hey, did you feed Jordan? You know, different things like that. So, um, so, you know, definitely had the community, but when you kind of had a close knit family to where for a long time, this is your unit. That's yeah. kind of what it was for us, you know? Got it. Got it. So I, I was just, I wanted to, I wanted to bring that out because for the person who may be listening and they feel overwhelmed with mm -hmm. the responsibility of being the the point person, if you mm -hmm. will, right? right? So sometimes it's very difficult to carry that weight alone. Mm -hmm. And you do need, like in the Bible, Aaron's and hers that were the supporters of Moses. You right. know, keep his hands held up to keep you strong, to make sure that you're not missing the meals, right? Right. To make sure that, um, okay, so I can't make any decisions. You're going to make all of decisions, but I'm going to take you everywhere you need to go. So mm -hmm. driving will not have to be an issue for you. Right. I'm right. Gonna, this person is, I'm going to do the, uh, make sure that the family have food every night. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So everybody can um kind of come together and be a support and i just think that these things are so important because like you mentioned in the opening of your your story in the book everyone will find themselves in this space mm -hmm. you cannot live life without meeting death yeah. it is impossible yes so um, so I just, I wanted to just make sure that, um, not even to really say anything about what it is that happens specifically with you, but to help other people understand how important community is. Right? And, and as, as important as community is, um, Coach Lowe, you have, you have everyone, and I did, people calling, people this, I can tell you just lack in terms of just being kind of young and not knowing, I didn't know what to ask for help for. That I didn't know that when you don't know how to navigate, all you know that loss is just, loss just happened, you know, and it was my mama, I got to take care of it. I got, I didn't, you don't know what to ask for help so um and it's okay to ask for help i think sometimes when you are um processing hurt um everything else that comes along with it um is just kind of second it's just yeah. like it, for sure. I, 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 i'm not making that very clear but i at the time i didn't know what to ask for i didn't know how to it's not that i didn't know how to ask i just didn't know what 
you didn't know how to do it. You didn't, I mean, this was your first rodeo and you were 25 years old. Mm -hmm. So you don't have all the answers. And that is why I was saying, who are the, the supporters? Because someone that maybe, even if it was a friend, y'all mm -hmm. could have been the same age, but if they had already experienced that, and we're willing to come alongside of you to say, hey, and so I even speak to the audience to just say, if you are listening and some, and you have lost a loved one and don't know what to do, right? right. Make sure that you ask for help. Ask right. someone that may be older than you. Ask someone that may uh, have experienced this already, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is where we learn. This is where we get support. This is where we get to share what we know to help someone else's load be a little bit lighter for their Absolutely. experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just, I mean, it is just, it's a, um, it's an amazing experience and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just communing with you and I'm looking at your face and you mm -hmm. look so beautiful. And I'm just Thank like, you. you know, you don't look like what you've been through. Not Thank even God. <laughs> Thank God, you know. Well, I got makeup on and, you know, a little lipstick and stuff oh, like that. Oh, girl. So. And you look good. <laughs> so we're not going to take nothing away from any of that. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Yeah, it, it, period. So, so let's dive here because I mm -hmm. talked about uh, women can have a tendency to be um, superhero-ish, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, if that is a word, right? So mm -hmm. we can have a tendency to want to put on a cape and we go over and beyond the call of duty. When I did your pre-interview, you shared a very intimate story with me about your mom. Mm -hmm. And if I had ever felt like somebody, okay, now I'm tearing up. <laughs> if I had ever felt like there was someone in a situation and she was my shero, it was your mom. Like, I was like, she was a boss when you talking about a woman <laughs> power moves. And for someone else, they may not even understand the depth of her love or the, the, the height or the width or the breadth. It was so amazing what mm -hmm. she did for her children to protect y'all. You mentioned that your mom was addicted and your mom made a decision to make a power move mm -hmm. to make sure that her children were not. Please share with the audience your story. <laughs> no, girl, because that just, I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the day that you called me for the, um, for the pre-interview, I was just, just full, 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 full. We had released Promise and um, we were getting, a, you know, so much um, positive feedback, so much encouragement, so many calls, so many texts. And I mean, I cried literally all day just because I was so, so overwhelmed with joy and just so grateful 
that God had given me the opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I'm super thankful for the visionary Dr. Ellison, you know, who, you know, gave us this opportunity. Um, but what God birthed through her. Well, I, I say, um, Coach Lowe, that day, all of us wrote about different promises that have that God has kept in our life. And mine is a promise through pain and how God, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, to not harm you, to give you a hope in a future. I didn't think that I had a hope in a future for some time after I lost, you know, my mom and dad. But I can tell you this, growing up and both of your parents are addicted to crack cocaine, you don't have a lot of hope. You may pretend to, you don't know what your future is going to look like sometimes over the weekend when you have seen certain things. But Coach Lowe, my mother, I'll never forget, when I kind of discovered that she was on drugs, you know, um, you know, I told my siblings, I said, you know, hey, I think after doing the D.A.R.E. program at, you know, at school, I was like, I think, I think mom and dad, they on drugs, you know, and they were like, what? Yeah, I'm like, I've noticed just some things that they were talking about at school, you know, and so, um, Long story short, my mom was very candid and, you know, she would talk about, talk about different things. And she would always talk about her time that she spent in prison. And it just bothered me because I'm like, why would she bring that up? You know, or why would she say that? She never allowed us to bring things home. Don't bring nothing home that don't belong to you. You know, people say you steal. And so I asked her, I said, mama, why didn't you go to prison? She said, well, um, you know, my, I stole some things, you know, you know, and sold them, right? What they call boosting, you know? Right. So I'm like, okay. She said, but I tell you what, she said, your mama was on drugs, very bad. My mom was addicted to heroin and my father and, you know, a couple other family members. But she said, when I found out that I was pregnant with you, she said, that was the only way I was going to have a healthy child is if. And this is what they called it back in the day, I guess, that if I took a fall, that's what she said. And I was like, huh? She said, well, if I would if I went to jail, that's the only way I knew I was going to be able to birth a healthy child. And I didn't, I wasn't able to really process that as a kid. And I was like, okay, you know, why would you go to jail? Like, you know, to have a healthy baby. Well, I didn't understand drugs. Right. I didn't understand what it was to 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 carry a child for nine months and to take care of your baby. And so my mom passed the addiction on to them. Mm -hmm. My mom made that sacrifice. And I said that day we were getting all those calls, getting all of those, you know, everything. And I said, man, this was a promise my mama made to me in the womb. You know, that God gave her enough strength because I can imagine prison. <laughs> I don't know, you know, and so for her to make that sacrifice because she wanted her children to be okay, because it wasn't just me. She did this for my siblings. She did, my, you know, my siblings after me, three after me. And Coach Law, I think back, I'm like, you had to really be battling with addiction you know, to get out, to get pregnant again, and then to go back. And so um, I, I just I just think back to God already knew in, in that time that he had a plan, you know, for my life, for my siblings' lives. And 
just um, like we talked, spoke, um, Coach Lowe, when you um, called me for the pre-interview and I was just telling you how excited and how just blessed I was to be a part of this process. Uh, it was just kind of in that moment that um, just the Holy Spirit had downloaded to me that your mom kept a promise to you. Like this is, although she's gone, although she went through everything, Everything that she went through, she was already praying and covering you before you were even formed in her womb. And I was just telling you how my mom made the decision um, to go to prison um, in order to not be exposed to drugs or use drugs while she was pregnant. And so as a kid, I used to hate to hear her talk about her going to prison, going to prison. And I was like, why would she talk about that? Well, she was, of course, trying to teach us in the process. But in that, it showed what type of woman she was and how much she loved her children to make such a huge sacrifice to say, I'm willing to sacrifice my freedom in order for my kids to be free, basically. Yeah. Free from any, you know, um, disabilities, free from um, addiction, free from anything that could have harmed us from, from drugs. And so I was just so happy that I was allowed to be part of this promise because my mom is gone. And a lot of people probably remember her as, um, she was real tough, real, you know, just, um, she just, had the nickname Pistol Pete because she was just a tough cook. <laughs> so people remember her um, for that, but I want to honor her for the time, for the mother that I had that would sacrifice her freedom in order that her kids could be safe and healthy and whole. And I tell you, not one of my mother's children out of six kids, not a disability not a learning delay, nothing. And I praise God and I thank God because even in her addiction, even in her being a young woman going through some of the things that she went through, she had enough courage and love to put us first. And so I, I want to honor her because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am right. today. You know, and so I, um, I was a tough teenager for many different reasons. And I, I was telling my aunt the other day, like, if I could do, do anything over, I would lay at my mom's feet and tell her how much I love her and appreciate her because you don't never, you never know the, the, the struggles with womanhood, with motherhood until you go through them on your own. And it's so, um, you know, I held her accountable for a lot of the things that, um, I didn't have anything to do with, you know, that, that, um, a lot of things that she had gone through that I wish I would have understood sooner. And so, um, this promise was part of who my mom prayed for me to be before I was even born. And I thank her. And I'm just so grateful that she had enough love in her heart for not just her children, but for herself and to say, I want to protect my kids. And so um, I, I, I dedicate this to her, you know, for, for keeping that promise for, for, um, for myself and my siblings. And so I can't, I can't thank her enough, you know. Me neither, because you, <laughs> you, your story, your strength, 
speaks volumes, speaks volumes. Just the woman that you have become and the lives that you get to change as an educator. Many of your students will go through different things in life. You have some things to share. You've had some experiences that you can encourage them with. And you can speak life to some of those things that seems like they're dying internally. It seems like life is too hard and I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You have a story of overcoming. And Mm -hmm. it it is amazing. And it's just funny sometimes because people think that they know you. And it's mm-hmm. like, you don't even know, you don't know the half of this backstory, baby. Don't never get it twisted. <laughs> That's right. Not haven't even scratched the surface. That's right. You're so right about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, the one thing that I am grateful for is that today you can see how, um, the, the, the thorns of your stem has blossomed into Mm -hmm. a beautiful rose. So although Mm -hmm. it was thorny and it was painful, you know, there is still some beauty at the end of this. The Lord has truly given you beauty for ashes. And so I want you to just speak to the person who has lost their loved one. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be in numbers. But just that person that mm-hmm. has recently, it's a new wound, it's a new loss, it's mm-hmm. a new pain, a new hurt. What would you say to them in this season? Um, just know that it is going to take some time. Don't rush your healing process. Um, feel what you have to feel. Uh, There were times where I yelled, screamed, cried out, you know, cried out to God. Um, But just know that take your time, take, take your time to process. Um, I would definitely say if you are feeling an overwhelming amount of grief to where you don't feel like you can function or go on, definitely, definitely seek, um, seek some help um, counseling, grief counseling. Um, and a lot of times you can go, you know, go through your church. Um, many churches offer it. I would, um, try not to blame, blame yourself or others, you know, because my dad used to always tell us, um, sure as you're born, you have a a day that you're going to pass on. He would say that when we were little bitty kids and I didn't understand it. And I used to annoy me that he would say that. I'm like, daddy, why would you say that? He said, it's true. He said, we all have a time to go. And so even in, as a little kid, you know, not on purpose, he was preparing me, but my dad used to say that all the time. And so, um, so try not to blame, to blame yourself or others. Um, one thing I had to learn to do and um, to embrace who I had left. I, I went through this hurt and I was missing my mom, missing my brother, missing my uh, my dad. And God said, you still got your sisters. You still have your brothers. You have your son. You have friends that love you. So those people that 
I still, you know, have in my life. So um, I, I had to learn to do that because there was a time that I pushed people away because I was in so much hurt and pain and you can't do that, you know, so um, definitely embrace. Um, <clears throat> talk, talk through your pain um, and grow, grow through what you're going through. Yeah. And so I had to grow through what I was going through and that came through helping others. Like you said earlier, a lot of times you never know um, why God is giving you certain situations, but many people have called me and said, Ty, how did you get through it? Ty, my dad is sick. Or, hey, Ty, can you come over here because so-and-so's father just passed, so-and-so's mom just passed, and God has prepared me to be able to talk you know, to people, um, about their loss or help them, you know, through it. Um, and focus forward, focus forward and focus up. Um, you, you're not going to stay in that place forever, you know, um, look up to God and, 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 and depend on him for your healing. When, um, I had to partner, literally partner with God because I couldn't do it by myself. And so when I realized Yes, I'm hurting. Yes, I'm going through all of this pain. When I realized that I could pray, Lord, help my heart. Yes. Heal my heart. Lord, help my sister. Help my brothers. When I learned that I could pray those prayers and partnered with God, that's when I began to heal. That's because I knew what to pray for. But if you're just going through it and going through it and oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. He's going to help you. But I learned to make my prayers very specific. And so, um, and, and, and just know that, that it takes time. You know, I never would have thought that I would be here today to number one, be able to smile. Number two, be able to talk about it, yeah. you know, and um, number three, even just share with anyone outside of my immediate um, circle, so to speak. But I mean, like the old, you know, the saying says, time heals all wounds, but you have to allow it to do so. So let me tell you this, Taisha. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. I believe okay. that it's what you do with your time that mm -hmm. ultimately heals the hurt. Absolutely. You don't do anything. Absolutely. You soak in depression if you only, mm -hmm. like you said, focus forward. You know, mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you talked about uh, getting yourself some help. If you are not doing the necessary, you talked about how some of your healing came through helping other people. The, the Bible yeah. says um, we confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. You know, mm -hmm. so the things that we go through, the, the stuff that's ugly, we share those things. We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. That we're not just, we're not just um, overcomers, but we are sharing with others so that they too can't overcome, right? Absolutely. So, so I mean, God just did an, uh, an amazing work. So yes, um, with time, things change, but right. they don't always get better depending mm -hmm. only on you and what you choose to do with that time. Right, 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 right. And so, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, and, and they're all, and there does need to be something that comes in between that or, you know, time does, but like you said, um, 
it depends on what you're doing with that time. Just like when people say, you know, uh, money is the root to all evil. No, the word says the love of money is right. the root to all evil. So like you said, there has to be something that goes along with that time. And you're absolutely right. You know, for me, it wasn't just the time that healed the wound. It was healed the wounds. It was what I did with my time. So I thank you for that. Um, for that clarification because it's true sometimes we get caught up in those cliches just saying stuff and and but it is the process of the time and what you did and how you partner with god and 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 and, and get into his word and trust his word and so um absolutely. Mm -hmm. that is that is just powerful though um and so i just want to say thank you again for being the strong and courageous beautiful taisha jenkins that you are Oh, for trusting trusting god with the process of becoming who you are mm -hmm. so that you could be able to stand for such a time as this so that you could honor your mother with this promise mm -hmm. you know and all yes. the world and many countries will get an opportunity to read your story wow. and though they may not know all of it now you have you're on the podcast so there will be mm -hmm. others that will hear your story and they will know the love of a mother who had her own issues but she loved her children and she was willing to be sacrificial for her children you know yes. that's the love of god when we are mm -hmm. sacrificial that is that is a um a characteristic of God, you know, mm -hmm. so most people are not sacrificial for others. They are very selfish, mm -hmm. you know, and so again, I say thank you. Before we leave, I would like for you to share uh, your social media handle so that if someone found here's your story here at Navigating Life with Coach Low and they want to contact Taisha, mm -hmm. how do they contact you? Um, social on Facebook, I am just Taisha Jenkins um, on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at LadyTJ220 um, on both of those platforms, um, Twitter and um, Instagram. LadyTJ at LadyTJ220. Mm -hmm. All right. So, awesome, yes. awesome, awesome. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to tell you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this um, awesome opportunity. Thank you for, um, I really enjoyed the pre-interview. You, you brought some things to the surface that I hadn't, had never vocalized before. And, and it was very, um, refreshing. It was very, uh, allowed some, um, things to flow free and I appreciate you and I appreciate your time and your commitment. Um, to, to women and to people in general. And um, I'm just proud to be on this journey with you as a daughter of promise. So congratulations to you also as, um, as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, love. I absolutely agree. It has been a delight. It has been a blast. And I just look forward to doing so much more. There's still more to come. You know, this is not all of who we are. This is not it. You know, this is only a piece of the pie. And so God mm -hmm. still has yet so much more that he wants 
to do in us and through us for his glory. Mm -hmm. And so I look forward to that. So I'll meet you back here again. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Back here again, but I'll be to Houston too. So thank you, Taisha Jenkins. Thank you so much. Um, and we look forward to having you back again soon. You have a good night and take care of you. Thank you so much. You do the same. All Thank right. you for having me. Good night. Bye-bye.